0: If you've been following this at home, you'll have done chapters one to seven, and we're going on from chapter eight. So the early churches started. Holy Spirit came upon them. They've had three thousand added to their number in one of the uh, meetings they had. and we're going to start in chapter eight. Thanks, Andy. So I just really want to encourage you if you haven't started reading through uh, Acts. It doesn't matter. Pick up with us and join in. It's really important that we can do this together as family. There's just so much from each chapter. I really could start now and keep going until Cafe Church and then do a tag team preach with John. But I'm not because I've had about three hours sleep and I'm a little bit tired. Also, if you haven't been into the back uh, this morning, uh, we had 24-7. I call it one and a half, but John says that's too confusing. We started at 10 o'clock Friday night, and the prayer room has been occupied till 9 o'clock this morning. Please do go in, go around and go in, and just spend a moment in there, just really in God's presence. It's fantastic. So, last week, we would have finished off with the early church has begun. Amazing encounters. Thousands of people have become Christians and started that early church. Incredible triumphs. It must have just been amazing to be part of that movement. But then right at the end of where John would have finished last week, Stephen, for his faith, was stoned to death. What an unbelievable start. Complete persecution. One of their brothers has been stoned to death, and yet thousands have joined. And we finish, and we start this week in um, chapter 8, verse 1, and it says that Saul was standing there giving his approval for Stephen's death. Saul was somebody you didn't want to go near if you had a faith. Saul was the complete enemy. We start chapter 8. And in my notes, I've just titled it, Jesus never promises that our faith will be easy. It's not a journey that you just pick up because it's the soft option. That was proved from day one with the early church. The early church was scattered due to persecution, but God used it as a good thing. That meant everyone was kicked out of their comfort zones of their local area and went and spread the word. Where is your comfort zone? How far does God have to stretch you to take you out of your comfort zone? Is your comfort zone just talking with your church friends? Are you a bit bolder and you can share your faith with your non-Christian friends or your non-Christian relatives? Have you got the boldness and the courage to talk to strangers? Each one of us, our comfort zones are different. Maybe this morning ask God where yours is and where does he want to challenge you? I'm really not into celebrity Christianity or celebrity status, but God has clearly given some Christians a bigger stage to be on, where their message can get across to many, many people. God uses them and their influence for his message, using their talents for his glory. But someone had to have led Billy Graham to Jesus. Somebody had to have led Rend into a relationship with God. Who is God leading you to speak to? Who is there in your sphere of influence that Jesus needs to hear his message? Doesn't matter if our sphere of influence is that big or that big, as long as we use that sphere. Nobody is more important or less. The platform doesn't matter. It's whether you use that platform you're given to share God's amazing message. Is there somebody on your heart this morning that you just really are desperate to see come to know Jesus? Do we actually need to do something practical to tell them about Jesus, or do we just need to live our life loud and proud? Chris did a, a fantastic talk a few s- weeks ago about nailing our colors to the mast, and it's come back to me over and over again: How loud do I live my faith? Am I hoping somebody will just guess that I'm a Christian? Do I look different enough by following Jesus? We all know the story of the Good Samaritan. Somebody's in the road dying, and different religious people walk past for different reasons. I know full well there's nobody in here, if they saw somebody hurting, would walk past, would offer some kind of first aid, would get help. Do we always offer spiritual first aid? If we see somebody hurting, are we embarrassed? Are we scared? Are we nervous? Do we offer spiritual first aid if we know that person's not a Christian? There's nobody yet that I've offered to pray for. There's been a non-Christian that has said no. They might have said, oh, you can do it when I'm not here. But they've never said, I don't want that. We also see in chapter 8 about the persecution We don't have death threats and fear for our safety like the early church. Our faith should be so life-changing and transforming that we want to share it with everybody. But do we? And the things I'm sharing this morning are not because I've got them right. They're what God put on my heart and has changed me too. So please, this is also towards me. Then Saul meets God on the road in Acts chapter 9, 9 11 to 19. I don't want to just look at the fact that Saul has his life-changing moment to become poor. I want to look at the man called Ananias. God tells Ananias to go and meet the most dangerous man in a vision. When he woke up from that vision, he had a few choices. I wonder if he wrestled with that vision, or did he just go, I'm on it, I'm going. He could have explained it away. No, I don't think that was the message. No, I must have been mistaken. Oh, no, that, that couldn't have been from God. That, that's, that's just all wrong could have just been like Jonah and refused to go too dangerous what could God possibly want me to talk to Saul about no I'll be killed and then the message won't get any further and that will stop my ministry he could definitely have justified not going but he didn't he fully trusted God and there's bands that we used to have a while ago called frog it was fully reliant on God and Anais just reminds me of that he followed that instruction now when we get instructions from God we can't use the Bible to see what will happen next. We can read this recount. Ananias, fully trusting God, went, all right then. I don't know how many butterflies had in his stomach, how nervous he was, or whether he just knew God had a plan and that was okay. God tells us what we need to do. Do we wrestle with it? Do we argue with it? Do we refuse? Or do we go willingly, knowing that God has got good to come from it? And I want to think a little bit about Paul. So he has this massive transformation. God calls him into his service. He accepts. Now, remembering that he has been the one that has ordered or allowed persecution of these Christians, he doesn't go and hide. He doesn't go and hide away from those he's persecuted. And he doesn't shy away from meeting with those that he has. He gets on with what God's put first. And several times through these seven chapters that I've read, it says fasting and praying, they did this. Fasting and praying, they did that. They set aside time for God. They sacrificed eating so they could really focus on Jesus. And for those of us that have done some crazy night hours in the 24-7, we know what that's like. Staying awake and spending time with God and what God brings from it is so exciting. Jesus has got us on his heart is he on our heart we go on in Acts 10 and it talks all about um, Paul talking about um, food and should they have it this way or should they have it that way but what I want to pull from this chapter is God wanted to do a new thing how open are we to doing a new thing we never compromise the word God's word stays true at the heart of everything we do But are we willing to change the delivery? Are we willing to change the dynamics? Are we ready to love the unlovable? Do we sit with those that aren't quite smelling rosy in the morning? Do we go and offer friendship (coughs) to those that don't always reciprocate it? How open are we to new people? How welcoming? Do we go out of our way to chat and open up our homes? Time is that most valuable commodity that you can't buy. Are we willing to share it? Those of you who know the history of this church, in 1903, Henry Lucas wrote these 50 years. And PHCC wanted a coffee shop in the 1900s. How revolutionary. But it's only taken 112 years later, but we found the Golden Cross, a building sited on church land. Are we ready to fight for what we believe God has called this church to do hundreds of years ago? We may need to release finances. We're going to need to release time, but we know God's perfect and his will will be had by all of us if we're ready. We need to be faithful to praying and investing in it. We go on to chapter 11, and John's put in um, in the booklet, verses 15 to 17, well, I began telling them the good news, but just as I was getting started, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he fell on us at the beginning. And John's mentioned in there about uh, a meeting, we went to at Soul Survivor, it happened more than once, where the speaker stood up, ready to preach, and God just started moving, and Mike didn't even open his mouth, he just waited, and the Holy Spirit moved and met people. There was healings, there was just incredible joy, and the Holy Spirit moved. And God really challenged me reading this, was how do I start each day? And most mornings the alarm goes off, I turn it off quickly because it's on before John and the kids get up. I sneak out of bed, I get dressed, I'm in the car and I'm on to work. I haven't set aside any time just to even say good morning to God. Some of us, the alarm goes off, we turn it off, we roll over. Snooze goes on, we turn it off, we roll over. Snooze goes on, we turn it off, we roll over. And then we rush and we start our day. Some of you might be brilliant and diligent and you get up and you spend time with God. God really challenged me to at least acknowledge him every morning and to spend some time giving him that time to speak to me, to get me ready for the day, to be ready for those opportunities that he's told me we'll have. I really want to encourage you to come to breathe once a month on a Thursday night. It's never the same twice and that is time just set aside as friends, as family, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to encourage one another. Peter was challenged by some of the believers for not following the rules. He explained what God had told them, and their reply was this in verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. We need to be ready to tell people what God is saying to us. It sets people free. And the most and the least unlikely for listening to it is for everybody. God gave a word that there would be a famine, and the church decided to stand united. They gave to their brothers in Judea. They united, they had that common bond, that shared understanding. We need to make sure we have the same shared vision for PHCC, for God's kingdom to be released here on earth. In Acts 12, God rescued Peter from chains and armed guards, four sets he released him from. And I just skipped over it. I was kind of like, oh, yeah. And then got to the next bit. And God kind of put the brakes on me and went, look at the miracle. I think we look at so many miracles in the, in the New Testament particularly. And we kind of just accept it. They're like, yeah, they're there. Great. And you think about some of our prisons. It's just unheard of. It happened then. And it was unheard of then. He was in chains, shackled to armed guards. And yet an angel came in. The chains were loosened. He walked past four set of armed guards. Let's not gloss over amazing miracles. And everybody in this room has got an amazing story. We all have something. I can't testify to being released from prison. Sue does like telling the ones at school that she's been in and out of prison. But eventually she explains to them that she was allowed in and out. She wasn't convicted. All of us do have something that will encourage and bless somebody else to share. We need to encourage ourselves to be ready to share those things. But we also need to be asking God to do some amazing miracles. We need to have those to tell others. I, I laugh at, at Roger if that's how you're supposed to say her name. He gets to his safe house, and she doesn't even let him in. She's knocking on the door. She peeps out and goes, oh, look, it's Peter. shuts the door. And he goes and tells somebody else. I'm like, sweetheart, go back and open the door. Let him in first and then worry about it later. I wonder how much stick she got for just leaving him outside of the front door. Do we ever do that? Is sometimes Jesus knocking on the door and do we just leave him there and get all excited that he's there in our life, ready to do something before we actually go and do something with him? We need to pray for the persecuted church. None of us had anybody standing in our way to get here this morning. None of us are in fear of any minute now armed guards could come in and we could be put to death. But that is happening right now around the world. And we need to make sure that we're not just sitting in a very comfy place in Netherton, but that we're praying for our brothers and sisters. I've no idea what it's like to live in fear that my family could be hurt because I love Jesus but there's some people struggling with that right now. On our whistle-stop tour, we get to Acts 13, and Paul and Barnabas go and preach to Jews and Gentiles. They simply share the good news. And as I've said before, our sphere of influence, where's our mission field? Where is it that God has placed you? Because it it, it is on purpose. Whether it's your school, your college, your family, your workplace, your set of friends, you are there for a reason. Each one of us has a mission field, and it's purposeful. It hasn't happened by accident. It hasn't happened just because of a coincidence. It's because God wants you there. How does he want you to live out your faith in that place? How does he want you to evangelize? All of us can be an encouragement to each other this morning. Some of us, it comes naturally, and we've got some amazing encouragers in this building. But for some of us, we have to think about it. We need to encourage one another. And we need to encourage one another to be encouragers so that we can all move forward together. And finally, in Acts 14, especially in verses 14, verse 6, even under persecution and death threats being planned, they continued to preach the gospel. They just chose a new city. If this is said right, the people of Lystra wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas, but they didn't allow it. How easy it would have been to get carried away with the incredible miracles they were doing. The number of people that were becoming Christians. They could have got so excited by that they could have lost faith and focused that it was on God and not them. We need to always make sure that no matter what we're doing, the glory goes back to God. There are so many people here at PHCC that work so hard and nobody will know Because they do it unnoticed. I just want to challenge all of us to look for somebody today that you know has done something for God this week and encourage them and thank them. Paul was stoned, and so he left and went to another city. That's all it says. He was stoned. And as the believers came around him, and I'm presuming they're thinking he's dead, they pick him up and they choose another city to go to. He had incredible perseverance he kept going with praying and fasting, with praying and fasting. It's all throughout Acts. Their commitment was incredible, their passion. Where are you at? Where am I at? They kept going back to the church that they'd started, coming back from each mission and telling them what God had done. They encouraged their church and they gave testimonies of what God had done. So the things I wanted to pull out of this morning, so just a quick whistle-stop tour. Jesus promises it'll never be easy. We need to have obedience for whatever challenge is set before us. God is often doing a new way. If we try and preach the message the way they did 100 years ago, we would not be relevant. If the church in 100 years' time tried to do it how we're doing it now, it won't be relevant. Are we ready to be doing things a new way? We need to make sure we spend time with Jesus, just to breathe in his presence and to be ready to give out his presence to others. Let's really notice those miracles that we're reading. God rescued Peter from chains and armed guards, four sets. Let's look at the miracles that God has done in each one of us and be ready to share them. Are we ready to encourage one another For the unnoticed things as well as those that are noticeable. Are we ready to share the word wherever we go with whoever God puts in before us? Are we ready to give our lives for what God has given to us already? So that's our whistle stop tour of this morning of those seven chapters. Like I said, if you haven't got a booklet, please take it. Please read through. Let's do this as a family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your love this morning. Thank you that although you promised this journey wouldn't be easy, it would be incredible, and that you would be with us every step of the way. Thank you that as we trust you and obey you, you work through us, that, Lord God, people come to know you through the love that you have for them. Help us, Lord God, to spend time with you each day, to give you that space to work in our lives. And help us, Lord God, to have perseverance, even when life is really hard. And Father, we just think of other churches around the world that can't meet freely this morning. Lord, we think especially of the Middle East. Oh, Lord God, we ask that your peace would come to that place. And Father, if there's things that we can do to bring peace to our areas, Lord God, please show us. And Father, help us just to understand the incredible power that we have in you. That, Lord God, you want to work in each one of us. That you have a plan and a mission field that you want to draw out. I thank you, Father, that you've given each one of us everything we need to follow your will. But, Lord, sometimes we lack courage and we lack confidence. Father, I pray you grow that in us as we encourage one another. In Jesus' name. Amen.